Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man. Indeed it is. The two guys at a mic show, TalkZone.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Midweek Wednesday, the big dog and a coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock talking sports and more. Producer extraordinaire David Olson on the other side of the glass. And, you know, to a slight extent, we're kind of in the great abyss of the summer here. It is not the busiest sports time, but even in the... Slower of times in the sporting world. There's always plenty to talk about. We'll span the sporting globe from MLB to NFL, little high school football, college football. Might even sneak into the Little League World Series going on. All that and mucho, mucho más coming up in the next 53 minutes and 12 seconds. But who's counting? A little bit of music and then we'll um, start the show. David Olson once again playing all the music that you want to hear and probably a lot of music that you don't want to hear either. 888-463-6748. That's our phone number. You want to check in, talk a little sports with the coach and the big dog. We would love to hear from you again. 888-463-6748. As I welcome in my good partner, the pride and joy of McMurray College, as I am tomorrow, Joel. I'm about to drop and I'm looking for some advice and some hints and some, uh, well, fatherly, if not uncle advice from you as I drop my first son off at college tomorrow at the University of Illinois. I know a sports team that uh, a university that you root for. How are you, big dog? And uh, any hints you can give my son, Kevin, as he heads off to the land of academia. How did he end up at, at Illinois, by the way? Because it was Indiana, it was yes. Lane, it was Wharton, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was POD. It was so many different options, and then it ends up being the, the prestigious University of Illinois. How did, how did that happen? Yeah, can't quite figure it out. Apparently got a couple of recommendations in the field he's going into. That He basically was going to Indiana. I was all set, uh, you know, to switch over my allegiance to the crimson and – what the hell are they? The crimson and white? Cream. Cream and crimson. crimson. Indiana, our Indiana, Indiana, we're all for you. We will fight for the cream and crimson. Sorry. Um, but at the last second, we made a switcheroo to the University of Champaign. And how he got in with his grades, which were mediocre, big dog, I have no idea. It must have been my influence. Did they bring <laughs> up the point that you were asked, you were an Illinois graduate? I don't think they knew that. I don't even think they, that might have been on the application, but um, I don't think that helped. You think our talk show here was possibly a supporting influence? Well, maybe the fact that, I, I don't know like how the student loan situation is, but <laughs> the fact that 
over the last like a uh, couple of years, what is it like less than half? I don't know what the exact number is, but student loans haven't been paid back. So if you're not applying for a lot of student loans, mm-hmm. you might have a better chance to get into a, a college because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, there's a lot of money that is not going back into these universities that are not getting paid back by college kids who are now uh, asking if they want fries with that after they graduate and they can't <laughs> pay back $8 billion worth of student loans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely an issue right now is uh, kids coming out, A, not finding jobs, and B, even if they do find a job in a year or two years, they're they're starting off, you know, forty degrees below zero. They're already in debt in the beginning. It's a problem uh, that, with all the other issues politicians have had to deal with, we really haven't put much of a chink in Big Dog. But no question, that's a, a significant problem with the youth of society right now. And, and what people don't realize is that these institutions need this money to keep on going. So yep. when it's not coming in. How are they going to provide services for the next generation of people who need to be educated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, everything's too expensive. I, I can't quite figure out. I'd love to see the budget of where all the money goes to. For lack of better research and understanding, Big Dog, I'm blaming it on middle management. You got any explanations? Middle. Well, I would have to say that there are probably administrators at the University of Illinois that make $250,000 a year, and all, all they do is, Yep. Try to prove that they're worth making $250,000 a year. They don't actually do anything at the university. Yep. Now, I hate to be brutally truthful, but that's the truth. But. They are, in, in this day and age of the last 10, 20 years, they've become an easy whipping boy. First of all, we have there's no face to them. We just kind of generalize, but be it school, be it business, be it sports, middle management is an easy place to fire on. Probably to a, to a large extent, you know, rightfully so. But, uh, yeah, that, that vast area of quote-unquote middle management, uh, a lot of people being overpaid and maybe a lot of relatives, too, when it comes to politics. You know what? Uh, one of my friends, is a, has mom is a teacher in Naperville, and she makes, like, $75,000 a year. She's got a nice house. Yep. And, like, her boss, like the principal of the school, I bet, makes like $200,000 a year as, mm-hmm. a, as a principal for a, a elementary school. Mm-hmm. You make almost a quarter million dollars a year. I, I still too much money. I don't understand why teachers are making a third of what this guy's making when all this guy does is walk around and supervise. It's a good point. It's a good point. Or even more so the assistant principal or the curriculum director, you know, but, but on the other hand, I will say particularly in high schools. And if we have any, uh, People in the education field, any people in the teaching field, even if you're not, you got thoughts on this, we'd love to hear from you. We all get off the sports page early and often on the Two Guys in a Mic show. Again, our phone number here if you want to check in, 888-463-6748. But uh, the teacher salaries have gone up, Big Dog, particularly in the high schools where, you know, the, the days of the third, except unless you're in a Catholic school. Where you still might be getting thirty, thirty-five thousand, but you know the salaries are up to sixty, seventy. If you do coaching yeah. and run a couple of activities, you could be making six figures as a teacher. Oh, absolutely! If especially if you're like a, a football coach in the western suburbs, my goodness. And I, I, I have one of my best friends, football coach at Glenbard West. He's doing ridiculously well. He's doing mm-hmm. a lot better than a, a lot of other guys that I know. So. Yeah, not just coach. You know, you throw in, uh, you know, help with the uh, the yearbook. You help with the sophomore uh, class organization. Each one of those is worth anywhere from two to five thousand too. So you get you get involved in a few organizations. You can stack on that salary a little bit. They're not getting rich, but it's definitely better 
than it used to be for the teachers, which I think you would concur uh, was a long time coming. Yeah, I would have to say uh, there's been a lot of great teachers in my life, so uh, yeah, I'd have no mm-hmm. problem with teachers getting uh, better pay than they used to. All right. Now, more importantly, as I drop my son off to college, and by the way, I'm going to be uh, arriving right in the middle of the freshman dorm move-in time. You know, there were people that paid 50 bucks to go today. You could actually pay 50 bucks and go a day earlier. We thought about it. There are people waking up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. They're going to arrive right when it opens up. Well, we are going to arrive right in the middle of the hurricane, big dog. And um not sure if I'm looking forward to it, but i got to believe I'm going to get some material for Friday's show as I move my uh, son in tomorrow. The freshman dorm and a bunch of wacko parents, it could be, could be an interesting uh, experience. Yeah, I really cannot help you with that one, Coach, because I played football all four years. Yeah, so you got so, preferential treatment. Yeah, so I literally we would we would move into the yeah. to the dorm room a week before well, anybody else showed up, and and where you that, lived, where you lived, they called it the Taj Mac, 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 uh you know, McMurray. It wasn't really a dorm; it was almost like it was castle-like for the football players. Uh, I don't know if I would exactly <laughs> say that, but. I, I lived in Michelson Horn. The, the hall they tore that thing down. The dorm that I that I lived in at, at McMurray College it was fine. I, uh, it was disturbing when I heard that story. <laughs> Did they tear it down like uh, six months after you left? Was there any correlation? Uh, no, it was about a year later. But I think I did enough damage that they had to do yeah. something to that. <laughs> I still remember my college roommate who uh, would, on occasion, imbibe with a drink or two or five or six on a Friday or Saturday night, and we were up on the 16th floor of the dorm, and you know they got those, like, styrofoam-tiled ceilings? Uh-huh. And uh, after imbibing on a particular night, he started punching out the tiles. Just punching. Ah! And some of the girls on the door, you can't do that. Can't. The hell I can't. Boom! He pounds his fist. In. So he's got all this, whatever that dusty styrofoam stuff is in his hair. Uh-huh. And the security guy comes off the elevator and looks right at him. All right, you know, what's going on here? And in, in, in can my room, I, I have no idea what to keep in mind. He's covered in the white dust right now. I have no idea what happened. Some drug-crazed maniac came running through the dorm and punched it out. I have no idea what happened. <clears throat> nice track, Ken. Uh, Did he get in trouble? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not as much as when he urinated in the, in the uh, ashtray, which is right between the two elevators as people were coming out of the elevators. Now, in, in, uh, in the first three weeks of me moving into the the dorm after getting out of college football practice, I uh, didn't get caught for any of this, but I pulled the fire alarm. I threw our garbage can out of the men's bathroom, which was on the fourth floor. <laughs> yeah. I threw it out the window at least ten times. Okay, I uh, when we moved into the dorm rooms, they left everybody's dorm rooms open, so. I took the bed, the mattresses, out of every single room in our dorm, every single room, Coach, and I threw it <laughs> out the window. Every mattress in every room? Except well, for the, the football players that moved in. So eventually, there's about <laughs> 70 mattresses in a pile outside of our of, uh, of our dorm. Dave, but, most people, know, most people throw out one or two, you know, maybe in their rowdiest moment, Joel. 70 of them. Well, it was at least 70, and I, we all of us climbed to the top of our dorm room, fourth floor, jumped off of our of the roof of the of our dorm, and landed on a pile of mattresses. That was one 
fun day. Literally, any- would you you would sink in like it would feel like fifteen feet and then shoot up about another like forty. Yeah. It was that did, was a uh, that was a good time. Did any of your teammates miss? No, it was such a massive pile. Okay. There was no way to, to there was no way you could possibly miss. There was that many <laughs> mattresses down on the ground. Okay. Uh, David Olson, uh, it wasn't planned, but I think we have our topic for the day. If you want to shoot it out via the Facebook, uh, your most destructive moment that uh, either you experienced or you observed in your collegiate days. I got a feeling we could get some good ones on that. 888-463-6748. By the way, I read in the paper today they came out, is it Forbes? One of the magazines with all their college rankings. One of the more extensive studies. The University of Illinois made number four in top party schools. Really? University of Illinois did? Top four? Yep. I was surprised, and I also hid the newspaper from my son. Well, uh, I, I hate to tell you, he's going to find out whether he reads that or not, Coach. Probably. But I, he doesn't need any extra encouragement. He actually really was pretty much alcohol-free throughout his high school career and is just this summer a slight late bloomer kind of discovering the uh, the beverages. So well, hope- as long as he knows not to drink and drive, and as yep. long as he knows that, yep. you know what, every time he drinks one drink, he's going to feel ten times worse the next day. Mm-hmm. When he, if he knows that, then uh, I don't. Know, I, I guess you know people are going to drink when you go to college. That's one thing. As a, as a father, you got to kind of yeah. have the the drinking story when you go there. Be like, I'm not going to tell you not to drink because oh yeah, um, that's not you probably start drinking. But you just got to be smart about it. Don't it's... be stupid. Don't be waking up in dorm rooms where you don't know the girl, mm-hmm. and uh, she ends up taking advantage of you while you're there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and don't overindulge. You know, we've uh, all read very tragic stories of kids who a lot of them were really unfamiliar. It's the veteran drinkers, unless you're an alcoholic, are pretty smart about it. But it's the kids who come in who, you know, maybe are going through an initiation, some kind of peer pressure thing, and they haven't had a lot of experience drinking. And all of a sudden they pound down the beers on top of shots. And we've seen college kids pass away, Big Doug. So uh, that's that's concern number one. If somebody is like, you're going to do 60 shots of Jack Daniels in the next hour, and if you don't do it, you, you're a puss, yep. say, okay, I'm a puss. I am what I eat. Mm-hmm. And then leave the guy alone. Seriously, those are some of the, I got to say, the stupidest, the most drunk I ever got was because some sophomore decided to have a drinking contest with me. He thought mm-hmm. he was going to put me away early. Well, he didn't realize <laughs> that I could drink. Well, this guy ends up, you know, he's. He ends up throwing up all over himself. He's butt naked in the middle of the dorm room. I can barely practice the next day. And I was like, you know, I, I think about the most I ever drink in my life. And there's yeah. a lot of times, a lot of a lot of days could be in that, including yesterday. Yep. I, I would have to say it was the day that I got into a drinking contest in college, and yeah. that, that was. And I think back about it now, and I could have killed that dude. That that sophomore, yeah. the guy that was trying to pick on me. Well, he seriously, he could have been seriously injured mm-hmm. from how much he had to drink that day well, and, and the problem is you got a you got peer pressure going on and b uh-huh. especially an athlete like yourself you get the competitive instinct kicking in mm-hmm. so now you know you want to prove it to the upperclassmen your competitive instincts start kicking and all of a sudden you're doing something dangerous um you know much more against what your normal common sense would be yeah, well, I didn't really have much common sense yes. at all. And then you put all that, what you just said, into it. That's, that's a yep. really horrible combination. Yep. You know, it's, speaking of that, last night, Coach, I went to a 
Tuesday, it was the first time I've ever been to a, a Tuesday night wedding when a, a Hasidic Jew married a Korean girl. First time ever. Okay, if you would have thought by now that would have happened to me, but that was the first time it had happened was yesterday. And let's just say the the open bar wasn't exactly uh, moving with a lot of people. As a matter of fact, I noticed I was like, you know, the last five people to get a drink were me. So that's a little, she just laughed. She's like, I think you're the only one in this whole uh, wedding that is that is drinking. And then, you know, I, I looked over and I asked the bartender. He's like, yes, you're the only one here drinking. I think about seventy people, and I was the only one. I was like, how could there be 69 other people in this place that have enough self-control not to drink on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, yeah, two uh, two of the more dangerous words in the Big Dog Dictionary, definitely. And you you built up some good defense mechanisms over your career, but open bar, it's kind of uh, opens up the reservoirs in the Big Dog's common sense. I know that. Oh, by the way, little sweet Lily Lily Woo. Uh oh. Who doesn't dress up? She wears jeans. She wears sweatshirts. She wears t-shirts. She goes mm-hmm. does a little architect thing. She wore a black dress and some high heels. Oh my goodness! Wow. I was like, seriously, I'm going with you. I, the girl doesn't realize how beautiful she is. I, I, I I'm almost afraid that she gets dressed up too much. And I was mm-hmm. so I was like, hopefully, I realize what she looked like that. I would remind her in about two months, dress up like that again. But, oh, my goodness, Coach. <laughs> Everybody in that wedding was like, are you serious? I didn't know. I had no idea that my girlfriend was that beautiful. On behalf of all of our uh, listeners, and particularly Bobby from Bolingbrook, who's expressed kind of an uncomfortable interest, are there any pictures of Lily the Lilac uh, from that particular wedding we could view? Oh, she's going to start posting them on my Facebook. She's got to post a couple. She wow. looks spectacular. Yeah, good what's I, your I, Facebook page again, Big Dog? Uh, it's a guy named Earl. <laughs> Stop it! What's your extra? Comp- what are you trying to hide? People going to your Facebook? Page? Uh, no, it's it, it, it's Joel Redwanski. Okay. But like you, if you if you request me as a as a friend on there, it might take me a month or two to actually re- go on Facebook. So mm-hmm. I have like I'm tagged in photos. I got about a million Facebook messages I haven't got to yet. Mm-hmm. So big dog is and also. By the way, if you have anybody out there who has my my phone number and you send me a Facebook message instead of a text message, then you complain a month later, I haven't answered you back. Yeah. <laughs> Figure out that I haven't been on Facebook. Been on, like, my only post all summer, Coach, is, hey, I'm going to be on TV today, and the other one is, uh, you know, life is what happens when you're not on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's funny <laughs> is I did that, and people were like, that's a great quote, and blah, blah, blah. They didn't realize that I was on Twitter like five hours a day at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like making fun of social media. I was just making fun of the social media that I didn't like anymore. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, for a brief, you've, you've had brief forays into the social media, but, you know, it's amazing when you start working 12 hours a day how your time spent on social media starts to diminish. And, uh, by the way, somebody emailed in and said that Joel's been tagged in photos in more than just Facebook. This is know, true, Coach. I don't know if they're talking the post office or uh, possibly a courtroom somewhere on 26th in California, but I think you were tagged in photos even before Facebook existed. Yeah, it's all wrong because I've never done anything illegal <laughs> in my life. Uh, David, still one of my favorite stories when we talked to Joel, trying to get out of a ticket, fighting a ticket. <laughs> when you were having all kinds of car problems and you parked your car and you go into 26th in California, I think it was there, and you walk out very pleased that it only took like 10 or 15 minutes. You got off the uh, the ticket, and as you're walking out, you're seeing your car. <laughs> You're seeing your car you know, getting towed. It's really, it's really, it's really <laughs> funny for you, but it, 
Yeah, well, that, that's bullshit. Why are we making fun of is that, you know, they, I had to go to that place on First Avenue, and they don't have enough parking for the amount of people that they have to force into there. I had I could no, I had no other place to park. Oh, so I'm like, I'll park at this Dunkin' Donuts. I go get Dunkin' Donuts. So I'm like, at least I'll, I'll, I'll eat there. And then I come on in my, in my car is towed. Yeah. It's absolutely, it was the place on First Avenue. It's ridiculous. The, the municipalities in this area, <laughs> they better fine and and make you go to court over so many stupid things. And even the yeah. judges are like, I can't give you a fine for this. I'm throwing this out. And because of this, there are so many people that have to go to court because of these, seriously, like, oh, let's figure out how we can find more people that live in our neighborhood and, and, and use our businesses. Mm-hmm. And then I end up getting screwed. And I, I got to tell you, the, the particular place that it was that it was towed to, if you're going to make fun of me for that, I hope you get towed to that place one day. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not making fun of you. It's funny that you got a little municipality building and they don't have enough parking because there's so many people in there that they're fining. I'm making fun. That. I'm making fun of the situation no where where you know you go in and get a ticket and you get off the ticket and you come out your car's getting towed. So not well, you. I, I, I don't. I don't find that funny because okay, uh, well. literally I drove for about an hour around this parking lot trying to find parking. There uh-huh. was none, and I'm sitting there thinking, look at all these people that. And then I was like about to be late for my court date. Yep. And that's I I know it's funny for everybody else. Hey, the big dog got screwed again. Cost him another couple hundred dollars. Yep. It was funny. Funny I, for everyone. I think what and you are describing way, never, is the. I've, I've never convic- I have never committed a crime that was uh, that had a victim to it other than me. Mm-hmm. I remind that to everyone. Very good. Very so good. You, you always ripping me like I'm in trouble with the police all yep. the time. That's part of the shtick of the show. Don't 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 get too sensitive. But you're right. I apologize. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. What you describe, by the way, I think is the ultimate of the legal catch twenty two. Yeah, isn't uh, it? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yep. Uh, like I know it's funny for everybody else to hear it, but yeah, it's, if you're the one, it isn't. No. And by the way, that I, I seriously still to this day when I get back, there's just like this eight hundred pound dude that sits in a car, mm-hmm. and basically all he does is get people for, uh, for uh, like parked. Mm-hmm. Where there's like no, it says for Dunkin' Donut uh, people only, and I'm like, I went in there and I got myself a sandwich and a and a freaking a coffee, and they still told me it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, I think that 800 pound guy, by the way, I'm not sure, but it might be ex Chicago Bear defensive lineman Keith Washington. I heard he was working in the area, so it could have been him. By the way, that would be Ted Washington or oh, Keith, yes. Keith Tractor Trader or Ted Washington. I apologize. Yeah. If they all, if, if they combined into one person, they would yes. be able to block out the sun. <laughs> and they'd be about 800 pounds. Uh, yeah. Getting back to the college experience, though, Big Dog, advice you would give a young freshman coming in? And, uh, oh, and i got to mention, too, you were talking about athletes at McMurray College, and you guys get a little bit wild. You know, and theoretically, the athletes aren't supposed to be drinking, right? And I emphasize theoretically. Yes. Because yeah, I was talking to a neighbor across the street, and his son, who was not an athlete, got freshman year, got put in a dorm that was pretty much what he described as a jock dorm. And he said the partying was unbelievable. I mean, the kid could not get any studying done, couldn't get to sleep. So uh, the athletes who are supposed to be on task, apparently they can um, imbibe with the best of them. Yeah, I remember you and I get into an, uh, a, an argument because, you were mad that a University of Illinois player got pulled over and got a ticket at 2 a.m. And you're like, he's a basketball player? And I'm like, I used to drink that late. And you're like, you played D3. These are D1 guys. They can't do that. Coach, I hate to tell you, D1, D2, D3, 
because people are athletes. It's like, I don't know what it is, but everybody wants to just give them a beer and party with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you're in the, if you're in the athletic dorm, there is a lot of partying going down. I could care less. The only time a football coach ever cares whether or not players are, are drinking and partying is on Friday night before the 12 football games that they play. Mm-hmm. I swear to you. Mm-hmm. I never had, I had coaches be like, show up for practice, but all this other stuff. And all of a sudden on Friday night before a game, so they find out somebody drink, drank something, they kick him off the team. But the, like to say, they knew this guy drank every day straight for three years. They didn't do anything about it. As soon as they drank the night for a football game, they kicked the guy off the team. Hmm. I'm like, you knew the kid had a problem. I mean, this happened all the time. Even during the season? Because yeah, I could, I could yeah, Okay. Uh, It'd be interesting to know how much the Division One coaching staffs talk to the players. I'm sure they do, and the athletic department talks to the players on what restrictions, how much advice they give the players. But I would certainly think during the season uh, they would try to limit, I didn't say eliminate, but limit the amount of consumption because um, well, Friday or otherwise it can affect your performance. Yeah, coaches say the right things. You know, like after we win a game on Saturday, but like, don't don't wreck this victory by having me come and have to bail you out of jail tonight. You know, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Yeah, it's like they, they would warn us, they would tell us, but trust me, they didn't do anything about it. As soon as something happened on Friday night before a game, though, they'd be like, it would be like the world ended. You know, mm-hmm. that's, you're right, Coach. I'm sure they don't want us drinking every single day, but they didn't do anything about it unless it was a Friday night before a Saturday game. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, your most uh, destructive moment as a young collegian. Maybe you're a veteran out there. You can look back in memory. Maybe you're somebody listening. Your college experience just a couple of years ago. But if you got a uh, funny slash destructive moment from college that you either partook in or maybe you uh, observed, that's kind of the uh, sudden theme of today's show. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. You can email us at mike two guys aol dot com. That's m i c and the number two mike. Two guys at AOL.com. Can you beat the big dog's 70 mattresses thrown out? Where You, th- you threw them out the window or out the front door? Out the, well, out the windows of, of uh, yeah. the Michelson dorm at Back Murray that's, College that's... and created a massive pile. And then <laughs> all of us went to the top of the dorm, ran and jumped off of the, of the uh, building and landed on all these, all these mattresses. It was, yeah. much, it, was, it was really 70. It was a four-story building. And it was it was a really wide dorm. There was at least seventy mattresses out there. At least seventy. That's, that's a that's right a pretty solid story to top. But I got a feeling we got some listeners that can do it. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. By the way, speaking of the freshman moving, I already decided. You know, if this gig comes to an end or times get a little slow, maybe in my retirement, big dog, I'm going to head down. It doesn't even have to be Illinois, but a large college institution. I'm going to find like the busiest freshman dorm. Find out when moving days. And, you know, no kid, I've got no involvement at all. I'm going to bring, maybe you could join me, it'd be kind of fun. A six-pack of beer, maybe a 12-pack, a lawn chair, and just sit and watch all the uh, raucous camaraderie of freshman move-in day. Sound like a good time? Uh, Possibly. I'm not going to guarantee it, though, Coach. (laughs) Definitely not going to guarantee it. Guarantee what, that it will be a good time or that you're going to join me? I don't know if I want to be around any any uh, freshman girls in college. I don't know what it is recently, but, but it's... But just, I'm just talking about the um, all the personality and the social interaction that you would see, the the hyperactivity, you know, the mom, the dad, or the kids, everybody's kind of on edge, and then you... And, and the presidents of all the clubs going and, and, and 
meeting people that go in the dorm. Hey, how would you like to be an Alpha Bally gamer? <laughs> you got that going on. Usually it's nice and hot. You know, you got the mosquitoes going around. Everybody's sweltering. Dad's dragging out the stuff from the back. You know, the kid wants to get rid of the parents as quick as they can. It's uh, I got to believe, especially with a six-pack of beer on my side, it'd be an entertaining afternoon. You know, I remember, uh, I remember when I was dropped off at college, and you know, you have that feeling like you know the kids just can't wait to get rid of uh, of the parents. I yep. think it was just the opposite. My mom was like, "Thank goodness, I want to have some peace and quiet in my house <laughs> for the next four years." Of, you know, yeah. so it's weird. It's you know, every freshman goes through it. And I can still. It was thirty some odd years ago, and I think those odd years might be uh, in the high thirties, but. You go through those first couple of weeks when you're on your own for the first time. You do go through a fairly high range of emotions, from some pretty low lows to some pretty high highs. Yeah, I, I hope my mom doesn't take this as a as a as a bad thing, but I don't I don't remember like missing home or or going through the low lows. I really don't because like I I was I like knew what was going to happen beforehand. I was just so happy that I got to play football every single Saturday, mm-hmm. and uh, I was getting educated. I'm not kidding you. I did not go through any. Oh, I missed, I missed Chicago. I want to go back now. During my sophomore year, believe it or not, I kind of did. It was the second year it hit me where I was like, "Dang, I missed being at home. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be here all year." It was funny. I did not have it happen my freshman year. I was just so, mm-hmm. was having so much fun, enjoying life so much that I didn't. I was like, I'll be back in a couple weeks, and I would. You know, I had a girlfriend back home. Mm-hmm. She would, you know, come down to see me. I would go back up and see her. So, I know it was strange, Coach. I never went through the like the the freshman. I didn't get the freshman fifteen. I got the freshman fifty. <laughs> I went from one hundred and seventy-seven pounds to two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. I came back. My mom's like. Like literally, she's like she turned into a man overnight. So I, I, I'm really not like, I don't know, coach. It was, it was a strange thing. Strange thing. Yeah, but that that wasn't just eating like the typical freshman. You were training for football, so I'm assuming part of that was uh, of the muscular variety. I, I I was in very good shape at 227 pounds my freshman year at McMurray College. Mm-hmm. That's why I can play it, yep. which is 20 pounds more than I weigh right now. Think about that. Woo. I weigh 20 pounds less than I do as a freshman in college. Nicely done, my friend. Nicely done. All right, 888-463-6748. By the way, I'll be off the show tomorrow, dogs. If you want to host it solo, make sure you contact our producer, uh, David Olson. If not, we'll uh, go with a little replay show and be back in action on Friday. But I'll definitely be out tomorrow. Let's get to some sports talk here. And uh, first and foremost in the Chicago area, the White Sox continue to play good baseball here after getting swept by Kansas City, bouncing back in a nice way, big dog, and – you know, I mentioned yesterday or Monday's victory I thought was fairly significant because they came from behind and beat the Yankees if they wouldn't. Gavin Floyd coming off a bad start. It would have been four losses in a row, and, you know, maybe they start slip-sliding away. But this this is a, a gritty, if not spectacular, ball club. The White Sox, they win their second in a row yesterday over the Yankees, 7-3 to in a grand slam by Kevin Euclid. Oh, uh, the Euchre. He has not been good since uh, the – the Red Sox sent him over here. So hopefully that's another guy that they've won without him playing really well. So if, if he can get hot, that'll take a little bit of pressure off of everybody else. And, and this team should be gritty. They shouldn't give up after having a, a little bad uh, series against the Royals for the simple fact that so many of these players had horrible seasons last year and bounced back. I, I think a couple bad games isn't going to fight them at all. Mm-hmm. What part of it, you wonder, uh, you know, it's like some seasons every 
spin of the day, so you know it comes up 7-Eleven. And sometimes you spin the dice, and every time it comes up 2-12 or you crap out. What part of it is pretty much pure luck, big dog? In other words, Kenny Williams this year, you know, a candidate for general manager of the year. He takes a chance after bad years from Alex Rios, after bad years from Jake Peavy, after bad years from Adam Dunn, to come back with the same group, confident that they're going to do better this year. Uh, he takes a chance not picking up a, a season closer, hoping that Matt Thornton can do it, or a lot of untested, and I emphasize untested young arms, and pretty much every gamble, including the pickups of Euclid and Brett Myers, every decision he's made has turned out right. Dunn has a good season. Rios has a good season. Peavy's having a good season. Addison Reed's turned into a closer. They can keep Thornton in the eighth inning role. The other young pitchers have come through, but uh, it could have just as easily gone the other way. If Dunn, Rios, and Peavy would have had bad season and the Sox are losing, you know. Everybody would have been said, you know, oh, Kenny Williams, terrible general manager. What's he expecting these guys to bounce back? You could see last year that they were done. You know, there was no way people. So a lot of it comes down, I hate to say it, to luck. Not all I, of it, but some of it. I, I don't, you know what? I, Coach, White Sox fans are going to get mad when I say this. But, uh, hold on, I'm, I'm going to a sneeze attack. I get it every single day. Um, <laughs> uh, but, in 2005, that was the luckiest team to ever win a mm-hmm. World Series. They were literally, if you think about, and this is, I would, I would love to have the White Sox replaced as the worst team to win a World Series as next year's Chicago Cubs. Please, I'll be, I would give a testicle to have somebody say yes. The Cubs are uh, the worst team to ever win a World Series. I would take that with pride because that means they would have won the World Series. Yep, and they were lucky in 05. This year. Could somebody say that Kenny Williams was unlucky last year? How could he That's ever true. expect Rios and Dunn and Beckham to be so bad all last season? I think that if you're going to bring up any luck with this is the fact that he basically was going to count on numerous rookie pitchers this year, specifically in the bullpen. And to have this many unknown factors be good, I would say that's part of the luck. I, I, I don't think when you look at the track records, the long careers of Dunn, the semi-long career of Rios, and kind of, you know, a couple of good years from Beckham that I think was more bad luck last year that they were so horrible. So the only luck I bring up for the 2012 team is the bullpen mm-hmm. because I, I think those guys were veterans. There's a reason why Rios has a $100 million contract and Dunn had a $56 million contract. So uh, I, 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 if I'm going to any luck and talk about any luck with Kenny Williams, I'm talking 2005. I'm not talking 2012. Mm -hmm. Baseball fans, you want to check in? Talking a little uh, small white round ball right now. 888-463-6748. Chicago White Sox in particulars. They knock off the Yankees. uh, Second game in a row. Grand slam by Kevin Euclid. I got to go back to a comment you made, though. You said Euclid hasn't played well. Since coming over from the Red Sox, I think most people would say he's been pretty solid right from the get-go, and he's been a big pickup. Why do you say he's been struggling? Oh, I, I, I don't think he's hitting all that well, is he? He's only hitting like like two fifty as a White Sox player, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Have to check that out. But I know, I know, you know, right from the start, he was getting big hits. Oh yeah, he was. I, I do remember that the first game he played, he hit a home run, and they won like one nothing. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the first game, but it was like the. The first couple games, and it isn't how many hits you get; it's when you get them. And yep. I guess 
when you play as well defensively as Kevin Euclid does, and all of a sudden you're producing at a 250 clip with a home run a week, it makes Brent Morrell, and that production makes, you know, I mean, it, you feel like Babe Ruth compared to what you're getting out of Brent Morrell. Yeah, whatever, so, uh, I almost forgot about him. Whatever happened to Brett Morrell? Is he still in the he system? back into the Morrell mushroom. <laughs> I don't even know if he's on the squad anymore, is wow. he? Because he can only play third base. It's not, you know, you can't have a backup that uh-huh. can only play one position in Major League Baseball unless it's a catcher. Might be still injured. Maybe they still have hopes for him for next year, but boy, yeah, yeah, you know, talk about the you either make it or you don't at the Major League level when you get your opportunity. Brett Morrell, who... Had some potential, but then just kind of bottomed out. He, he might be like many of the Cub third basemen in the last 20 years. He, he could just disappear off the face of the baseball earth. Yeah, you, you know, uh, it, it's funny you said it because Joe Creedy and Brent Morrell, if you think about the first two years or so in the Major League Baseball, Joe Creedy was like that. Joe Creedy was a great defensive player, and he couldn't hit a lick. They would send him down to the minor league, and he'd be awesome. Yep. And all of a sudden, in 05, the guy only hit like 265, but I think he had like 100 RBIs, Coach. It was like he just had a big hit every single game. Mm-hmm. Maybe Morrell could be that guy, great defensively and just a good situational hitter. But I, I don't think they can ever expect him to be uh, a middle-of-the-lineup corner infielder type player. Mm-hmm. And Joe Creedy, who looked like he had finally figured it out. You thought the White Sox had their quality third baseman for the next five, ten years, and he got, uh, I think it was back problems, right? Yeah. Fairly quickly after the 05 season. Uh, and then uh, the Twins gave him some money. Actually signed him away from the White Sox. And mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't. I, I was surprised that the White Sox didn't mess the offer and then found out later they knew his back was jacked up. And I don't know how many games he played with the Twins. Like, mm-hmm. he played like a week. And then was then his career was over with. And he said like yep. a four-year contract. Yep. By the way, one other good move uh, that the White Sox have done recently, another not strike it rich, but another successful move thus far by Kenny Williams was the recent pickup to Dwayne Wise. They picked him up off the Yankee cut list, and now he's been hurting the Yankees. But Dwayne Wise, the ex-White Sox center fielder, Kenny Williams take a shot at him. He comes in right away, starts contributing, hit a big home run a couple of weeks ago, or last week, I think. And in Monday's game against the Yankees, dog, he went four for four, and I think he had a home run in that game as well. Yeah, you don't expect any type of offensive contribution from Dwayne Wise. Yep. You just hope that maybe pinch running or or defensive replacement, he can help your team a little bit. If he gives you any offensive production, it really, really, really helps your team. Mm-hmm. Ten-year veteran, bounced around from team to team, but he keeps hanging in. He's a uh, baseball lifer. you got to love stories like that. Uh, on the Cubs side, I found it interesting. I need to get this confirmed, but I thought I read a note in the paper today, Big Dog, that and this is not major, but the Kane County Cougars will next year be the Chicago Cub affiliate. Excellent. David's shaking his head. You read that too? That's outstanding. See, I, I think it was just a little note. I think that's going to be a bigger thing more for Kane County. I think that's going to help their attendance hugely. Absolutely it will. It totally will because I will definitely go to a couple games next year. I will definitely go mm-hmm. because uh, – you know what, as a Chicago Cup fan, there's only a couple things we actually have, and it's not production, it's not success. It's, it's words like faith and hope. You know what I mean? And, and, and let's face it, we love the game of baseball, and I'm, I'm not thinking about the Cubs in the 2012 sense. I never even thought about them in the 2012 sense when the season started. I was going to watch games, I was going to root for them, and 
and hope they win, but all I cared about was them setting up future success this season. So you can imagine guys like me, and there's a lot of us as Cub fans who have mm-hmm. faith and hope and really love the game and follow the whole organization. Heck yeah, I'm going to go out there and watch the, the uh, you know, whoever the, the Elmira's and whoever else they have down there, that's going to be the next future of the, of the <laughs> Chicago Cubs. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, on behalf of our ex Radio boss, Mark Pinsky, thank you for the Elmira reference. David, you had some info on the Kane County Cougar? Uh, yeah, they're replacing Peoria as the Cubs' Class A affiliate. Excellent. And uh, Kane County, uh, the, the mm-hmm. organization is like thrilled because yeah. I mean this is this is going to be huge for them, huge yeah. for for the Cubs and for Kane County. Because isn't Kane County is it owned or they're their own separate entity, right? There's like a payment situation, but the Cubs don't own the Kane County Cougars. No, but they would own the players. The players. Play for the Kane yeah. 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 But let's not yeah. just celebrate, you know, great move for the Cubs. It's also a great move for an organization that I've always respected, Big Dog. We've, I don't know, we've gone to some minor league games. I don't know if I've been. You no, know, because that one would only take me five minutes to get to. And since <laughs> I don't have a car, you've made it a point to make sure we go to Schaumburg, which is easy for you. So that's, that's why we go there. All right. Well, we'll... <clears throat> that was only right down the street from my house. So we never go there. <laughs> we need to change that because I've been to Kane County games and it is uh, outstanding, ton of fun. Yeah, it's a good time. I, I haven't gone in the last year or two, but yeah. I, I would go just ride the bike over there. Hopefully, so they, they still can. have the pork chop sandwich that they barbecued out, I believe, uh, on the far first baseline. Yeah, they still have that Ooh, there, but they awesome. no longer two dollar twenty ounce beers like they used to, and I think Uh-oh. it's because I'm going there often. <laughs> so we can blame you, huh? Yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah. All right. Little Cubs news. That's about all we have to report for the Cubs. Oh, and the other bit and piece of a negative variety, Matt Garza. Actually, it's a positive because it's probably a smart thing to do, but Matt Garza is now officially on the 60-day disabled list, which means unless the Cubs enter the pennant stretch and maybe make the playoffs big dumb Matt Garza's season, is over. It's all over. So we can see more rookie pitchers. By the way, uh, for everybody that asked me if around July 25th if Matt Garza should be traded, I was the one saying, yes, trade him. Just a reminder to everyone. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder. Now they're going to get nothing for him. Well, actually, I think the plan is to bring him and Samarja back as the two veterans for next year and then and fill them in with some. Ready after this arm trouble? He'll be fine. Not a problem. He'll be fine for next year. Okay. He'll be fine. I hope so. He's got a good attitude, Coach. He's mm-hmm. got a good attitude. Yeah. I like his attitude. I do, too. I do, too. Competitor, sense of humor, team leader. I like the kid. 888-463-6748. Two guys at a mic. Talk some uh, college experiences early in the show. If you want to chime in with uh, any particularly humorous slash destructive moments you saw in your college career as the big dog both saw and experienced, feel free to do so. Covered a little baseball here with the White Sox and the Cubs. By the way, I meant to... Uh, bring up also the Washington Nationals. They beat Atlanta yesterday 4-1. to They're in the wild card hunt, big dog. We have not talked about this. Your opinion on Steven Strasburg, who won yesterday, his fourth win in a row. But as you're well aware, and most baseball fans are, the Nationals have said they will shut him down. At a certain point, they're not going to let him pitch because he's a young pitcher. Obviously, the future is important. So they're in the middle of a pennant race, and they're going to shut their star pitcher down. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I think it's an extremely smart move, and they should have considered this a long time ago to make sure the kid does not throw too many 
innings after coming off Tommy John surgery. So what they have to do now is they have 40-man rosters on uh, on the major league level starting September 1st. And there's uh, there's ways to actually back him up a couple days before September 1st. Mm-hmm. He should only pitch once a week. He should pitch on six days rest. And if they do that and he pitches his regular 6.1 innings per game, he'll end up at exactly 180 at the end of the year if they just have him pitch once a week instead of every fifth day. Okay? Interesting. And if they do that, they'll have John Lannon on their 40-man roster. He's a veteran player. He's a, uh, he's about as good of a pitcher as you can just add to your roster on September 1st. Think about, you know, if John Lannon is a, is a veteran. He's probably got a winning record as a professional, and, mm-hmm. and he, he's trying to vie to get back into a rotation somewhere. Uh, and so what does that happen is he has 180 innings pitched right when the postseason starts. And he's at the number because they've backed him up a little bit. Then they have a decision, do you want to go over because it's the playoffs? And if they don't pitch him, they might lose him as a player mentally, and I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. So what they have to do is tell him, listen, we want you to pitch in the playoffs. Uh, we're going to have you go over this particular limit. And then basically tell him he's only going to start one game in each of the series. So they make them like mm-hmm. they're, they're game three or game in, in a seven-game series, game four starters. All right, so you've okay. you've come full circle in your opinion. First, you and make sure I got this right now. First, you said you thought it was a very good move yeah, by yeah, the Washington the Nationals. Beginning of the year to watch his watch his innings, don't have him, and then all of a sudden they haven't had him miss any starts, and they're like, "Oh no, we're uh, you know he's going to be 180 innings, and he's going to be in the playoffs." They should have thought this out a little bit more and made sure they backed off his innings mm-hmm. earlier and not. Right, now so you are to, not. You're not advocating shutting them down. You think the Nationals should pitch them as long as they're in contention, but limit the innings and make strategic starts maybe like once a week. Yeah, yeah, they can absolutely do this when they go to a 40-man roster. Okay. All right, that's an interesting – I'm not sure that's what they're planning on doing, but – I don't think it is either, but yeah. if they're worried about this guy. They have to worry about a couple things. You know, they don't want to blow this guy out, but then again, you know, you, you can get your ace playoff experience. You know what, a couple of – you know, a hundred extra pitches is not going to, the guy's arm is not going to fall off. And, and, and I got to be totally honest with you, coach. I, I'm a, probably not as big a competitor as Steven Strasburg, but I'm a pretty big competitor. If, if my coach told me, Hey, you got back at you, Joel, and we're going to watch you as you play football all year long. Oh, and, oh, and you didn't back me off. And all of a sudden we made the playoffs because I was the leader of the team. And then now you're like, well, we remember that back issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I promise you, we're not going to overwork you. And now that you've made the Division Three playoffs, you can't play in this game because we're worried about your back for next season. Yep. I would freak out. Is all I can tell you, coach. So yep. they they can't lose the kid. They should have backed him off earlier. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Good point. It goes uh, completely against your competitive nature. Uh, both for Steve, I'm sure it's not easy for the manager, the GM, the owner who's ever making the decision too, because they're competitive as well. But that's a great. Point now, now let me bring some else up. We keep talking about, or they keep talking about innings pitched, and this does not just apply to Steven Strasburg, but to pitchers in general. That's an overrated statistic. I can go back to to little league where I used to coach. You know, we're going to limit you to three innings, or we're going to limit the you know the pitchers to four. Well, in an inning can be sometimes eight, nine, ten pitches, and sometimes forty pitches. So. Isn't that a little vague, if not inaccurate, saying how many innings pitch? You really have to judge how much wear and tear on the arm and how many pitches the kid's thrown. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You're 100% right, and that's why when I use my example, I specifically said 
a hundred extra pitches is not going to have the guy's arm fall off. I didn't say yep. the six point one innings when I when I was talking about that part. You're, mm-hmm. Coach, you 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 are exactly right. And if I told you, oh yeah, he threw a hundred pitches. How do we know that that hundred pitches wasn't in four and a third, and he hit two batters? It was an error? There was a, a, a fielding miscue, and all of a sudden, of those hundred pitches, eighty-eight were thrown in complete duress. You know what I mean? It's totally different than, you know, you go out there, you're Greg Maddox, you throw seventy-five pitches in in eight innings, and not one time did he even like break a sweat while he was out there. He was just out there playing catch with his catcher. You're exactly right. You. They need to look at the innings that he's thrown so far this year and figure out the wear and tear on his arm and his body mm-hmm. and really see how he has worked this year. 180 innings that Steven Strasburg has thrown this year, I'm going to tell you, Coach, uh, you don't want to hear about my fantasy team, but the best way I can tell you is I have kept up on my fantasy team. I drafted the kid. He's had, like, two bad games this year. Every other game it seems like he throws six innings. He allows three base runners. He strikes out ten, doesn't walk anybody. It's like I don't think he's had your typical second year in the major league 180 pitches where a guy's trying to learn something. He's blown people away all year. I, I, that whole the rest and things that you were talking about. You're right. I don't think he's it's had it's affected him like mm-hmm. it has other pitchers. He's not a kid out of high school. He came out of college, right? San Diego State University. Yeah. Okay. So he's not not like an 18, 19, 20 year old kid. But uh, it'll but be interesting though. What's it is that? coming off a of Tommy John surgery about yep. 15 months ago, Coach. So yep. that's, that, that is a little bit different. Hmm. Little did Tommy John know. I was watching the Olympics, and I think at least a couple of times they had mentioned athletes coming off a of Tommy John surgery. Little did Tommy John know about 40 years ago, Big Dog, when he went under the knife, that that particular operation was going to have a name on it, and athletes in the future would have, I don't know how much pride he takes in it, because it is a surgery, but it's kind of cool that every of that variety is called the Tommy John surgery. Tommy John must be sitting around somewhere very proud of that. Well, you know what? You, having a surgery named after you like Tommy John means it was successful. Having a yes. disease named after you like Lou Gehrig means yep. it wasn't successful. That's an interesting point. <laughs> yeah. The surgeries good... aren't so bad. You want the surgeries named after you, not the disease. Good point for the big dog. Quick titillating tidbits, uh, news and notes, big dog, real quick. We can touch on these. Uh, uh, LeBron James, Nike, I guess it is, whatever shoe company. I don't follow it a whole lot, but apparently coming out with a brand new shoe, the LeBron X. It's going to cost $315, my friend, and it will include motion sensors. Motion sensors? Like <laughs> in the shoe? <laughs> I don't know. Three hundred and fifteen bucks for a, it's got a giant X on the bottom. Yeah, I can't figure out mo. What do you need motion sensors for? You, you know what the funny thing is, coach, is this shoe obviously was planned out. Okay, you don't come out. No, no, nobody can come out with a shoe. Yep. Two months after the NBA championship, you know what I mean. This has been designed. They've marketed. They test, you know they did all that stuff beforehand, and they don't do this. Nike doesn't do all that to not release a shoe. So did they have the intention of releasing a $315 shoe if LeBron was not an NBA champion? How much heat would he have gotten? Now well, that might be a chance that they take. You know what I mean? They're like, okay, if they win, if, if they win, it's $315. If 
they don't win the championship. This is one hundred ninety-five dollars. <laughs> oh, you're saying so? They still would have come out with the shoe. The price level just would have been different, huh? I'm not kidding, coach. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not making yeah. fun of Nike. I work for that company. They are incredible to their employees, even the people in the quote-unquote sweatshops all mm-hmm. over Asia and South America. Mm-hmm. They're really good to their employees. But let's face it, they're trying to make money. It's about marketing, blah blah blah, all that stuff. I, I can't even imagine the outcry of a three hundred and fifteen dollars shoe. When you have people all over uh, the Illinois with link cards in order to eat, and I'm getting yep. sick of that too, yep. Coach. Oh my yep. goodness! I hear you. And, and to have them wear $315 shoes. So, yeah, yep. you are uh, absolutely correct. That is, well, we're not going to get into the social implications of that, but you're absolutely correct. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Other news and notes, titillating tidbits out there. College football polls are coming out, big dog, and. Uh, we got Alabama and USC. We got USC and Alabama. It looks like there are two teams on the top of the heap this year. Your thoughts, the correct two? And is there a separation? It's only preseason. But it looks like USC and Alabama, the teams to beat. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. John McKay and Paul Bear Bryant somewhere are extremely happy, aren't they, Coach? Yep. It's like college football 1970s again. You know, I want to say rolling in their graves, but there's been so many people dying lately that I thought, had already passed away, Phyllis Dower yesterday, uh, of the, the least. John McKay? I know Bear Bryant has passed away. But is John McKay still with us, dog? Um, I don't think so, Coach. I don't either. And I hope he is. And if he is somewhere, uh, I would want him to give us a There's a funnier football. Nope. We lost you. You back, big dog? We have lost the big dog. Down goes the big dog on the cell phone. Maybe, maybe that dog that's been yapping for the whole show <laughs> ate the phone or something. See, I can't hear it with my hearing. I haven't heard it. We've had a dog yapping in the background. Yes, coach. It must be a high pitched dog because I can't hear. It's a uh, it's a it's a bunch of dogs. I, I, I'm sorry, I hate to tell you, but uh, there's really nothing I can do about it. Okay. Okay. I, I, if uh, if we're gonna do the show, I can, I either have to do it from a a kayak company. Or I have to do it from uh, Lily the Lilac's house, which has dogs everywhere. The last we heard with the disconnect, I thought you had said something about John McKay having an affair with Phyllis Diller. Was that the gist? That was exactly what it was. (laughs) I I won't be able to confirm all of this until later. And hopefully there's no pictures of that relationship. Absolutely not. Thank you very much. Titillating tidbit number three, Big Dog. I don't think anybody's watching. I think the thrill has long since worn off, but it's out there for you. The Little League World Series. Your thoughts in two words or less. <laughs> watch it. Serious? Yeah, I love it. I, 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 I watch it as much as I possibly can. Thank really? you for reminding me. Because after I go work out today, uh, I'm going to watch the Little League World Series before right. I do all my kayak tours tonight. Right, I think for, for a while it was kind of cool. I think I'm speaking for most of the average sports fans out there. You know, It was kind of neat for a while, but I think the whole, you know, and they don't just televise the Little League World Series game anymore. Now you got it's like the College World Series. You got the you know the lead up games, the quarterfinal games, the regional games, and, and it was again it was cute a while ago. It was kind of fun to watch, but the throw is worn off. You're a curmudgeon. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Not a curmudgeon. I still still enjoy sports every bit as much as I did as a ten year old kid. That's, that's ridiculous. To, to rip on the Little League World Series, not, that's about as good as it gets. Usually not, it's worn its way out. It's not that good anymore. That's what you just said. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm fine. They can play it. I'm just saying for a national audience purposes, first of all, it's not the best 12-year-old kids. I hate to tell you. But there's very few communities now that even are part 
of the Little League. So it's, this is not like the best of the best teams around. There's there's 50 travel teams out there, Big Dog, that are better than some of these Little League teams we're watching. Sorry. Oh, we lost him again. You offended him and he hung up on you. <laughs> All right, well, we got to wrap this particular show up from uh, the destruction of his early days in college to a little baseball analysis to uh, firing on the LeBron James shoe in $315. We covered the gamut today. We'll try to do it again, not tomorrow, but we'll do it again on Friday. Off tomorrow, taking my son to school. So we'll uh, do it again on Friday. Big Dog, uh, got about 20 seconds left. Your final thoughts. Anybody that doesn't like the Little League World Series because these aren't the top 11 and 12 year olds really had to take a look in the mirror. All right. I'll be, I'll, as soon as I find a mirror, I'll look in one. Dog, have a great day. We'll talk to you Friday, okay? Peace out, everybody. <laughs> Two guys in a mic, talkzone.com. Have a great day.